Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart Over High podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Shamar Charles. This podcast focuses on the goal of providing unique and culturally sensitive perspectives on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness. Our goal is to provide you with the best millennial and Gen Z health news you can use. If you like this podcast, follow us on Instagram at HOHThePodcast and give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, without further delay, let's get started. Early on in the pandemic, many predicted a baby boom thanks to all the idle hours couples would spend at home. But so far, research suggests that the opposite may be true. Data reported by NBCLX says that the percentage of December babies dropped by 8%, which wasn't expected given that stay-at-home orders started in March. Social media tends to be painting a different picture with new pregnancy announcements popping up almost daily. So what's going on? Is the data misleading? Are we suffering from a case of recency bias, or is it something else? Today we have with us our resident OBGYN, Dr. Calvin Lambert, who's going to help us make some sense of what's going on. Thanks so much for being here with us, Dr. Lambert. So first things first, are we in the midst of a baby boom or a baby bust? Sure thing. Um, And I'm happy to be back to talk to you about this topic because I think that um, a lot of people are, are under this misconception that the city's closed, you're indoors, you have time to kind of think about family planning, you have an opportunity to kind of um, add another um, dimension to your relationship as far as bringing new life into the world. And as much as, 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 much as that idea is romanticized, I, I would argue that that's not the case. And I think the information you presented earlier kind of solidifies some of that information. Um, when you kind of allow your world to be viewed through the lens of social media, you kind of get this perception that people are, are baby making and that there's a baby boom. Um, but I would argue that at least anecdotally speaking in our hospital in the Bronx, that we're not, we're not seeing that boom of, 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 of new pregnancies or, or moms coming in in labor. And I think that you kind of have to take a step back and look at it from like a, a social perspective. I know social determinants of health and um, a social lens when it comes to looking at some of these issues become in vogue. And I'm glad it's in vogue, but it's something that we should always be thinking about because when you're thinking about bringing new life or starting a family or expanding your family, economics definitely something that you need to think about. Um, You need to think about, A, do you have the space to accommodate another life? And with that space, do you have the means to provide for that life? And I think one of the studies that you're talking about, if I can remember correctly, um, there's two actually, one from the Guttmacher Institute that actually did a survey, um, surveyed about over 2,000 people between the age of, females actually between the age of 18 to 49 and looked at whether or not they um, would consider delaying um, expanding their family. And about a third of those um, responded said that they would consider delaying. And interestingly enough, again, using the social lens, about 40% of those respondents who said that they would consider delaying happened to be African-American and Hispanic. And they're quoting, um, again, the the economic burden of A, um, them losing jobs during the pandemic and not really having the means to support um, uh, families or expanding their family, let alone taking care of their current um, nucleus of a family right now. So we're we're seeing all these, these trends that kind of, again, 
begin to echo social determinants of health. And I think it's hard for us to kind of look at this baby boom in the COVID uh, pandemic without kind of taking all those other elements into consideration because um, it definitely paints a completely different picture than what you see on social media. This isn't the first time I've been led astray by social media, and it's certainly not the last. But in the last few years, I've reported on the growing trend of women waiting to have children or simply choosing not to have children at all. What factors are contributing to this growing trend and what impact do you think it will have on society at large? Well, I think that as far as answering your question, why I think people are having less babies, again, I think that people are looking at, they're looking at things through multiple different lenses. I think you can look at it from uh, the perspective of, okay, things are slowing down. Um, I have an opportunity to kind of expand my family. I have an opportunity to bring new life into this world because, again, there's nothing else to do, um, which some people may have the luxury of kind of taking that particular stance. But I think that it's hard and it's kind of echoes my previous points that I made to kind of look at it through such a narrow perspective um, because, again, folks are, are, are feeling the, the burden of the way that things are. Um, you have people that I've seen in clinic who are, are talking about as much as I would love to celebrate the opportunity of bringing new life to this world or um, having an unplanned pregnancy, having serious conversations about, hey doc, um, I'm not sure if this is a pregnancy I wanna continue because I recently um, gave birth a year and a half ago and times are rough right now and I don't know if this would be the best time. So I think people are really, having to, and it sucks that people have to really kind of have to have those hard decisions in terms of like, I can't really enjoy this experience because I have to look at it through um, a more, I guess, not necessarily practical, but uh, a more, I guess, a dire lens. Like, do I, can I really survive if I bring another life into this world? Is it gonna be, am I really gonna put my family at risk as far as not really being able to make it through the pandemic. It, it sounds kind of um, bleak to have that type of approach, but um, I think that that's something that a lot of families are dealing with and particularly the families that I take care of in the Bronx, um, again, predominantly communities of color, that's something that um, a reality that they have to face knowing that the burden of some of the outcomes and impacts of the pandemic are hitting those communities the most. Throughout history, tragic events have been followed by a rise in births. So naturally, there was talk of a generation of corona babies in a similar fashion to the baby boom that occurred after World War II. But the NHS found that there was actually a decline in pregnancy scans over the last nine months. And that happened around the world, including places like London. Is that surprising to you that we haven't followed uh, some of the same historical trends as we have in the past? I don't, I don't think it, um, it surprises me. I think that when you look at um, a lot of the projections of births going into 2021 or the end of 2021, look at the Brookings Institute who recently discussed the fact that they predict a decline at about 300 to 500,000 births down from previous years their prediction is reflected on them looking and combing through trends in history in which people were um, stressed economically. So for instance, they looked at um, the trends of birth data between 2000 and 2009 during the Great Recession under the Obama administration. And then they also looked at the same 
type of decline that took place. And another um, pandemic that most of us are familiar with, given us using it as a, a lesson learned, um, which was the 1918 pandemic flu, in which they did see a huge decline in birth rates. I think about 12.8%. Um, and these, these, these trends aren't something that's um, new that we're dealing with with COVID. I think it's, it's kind of par for the course as far as when we look at historically what those things mean in terms of, again, um, the fear that it might stoke, um, the reprioritization about, about what's important at that moment in time, the re economic reality in terms of, of um, opportunities or lack thereof, and how in the midst of those things, delaying um, childbirth or delaying the this plan to start a family needs to be a serious consideration. What impact has COVID played in your patients' decisions about whether or not they want to have a baby, especially in a traditional setting like a hospital where infection rates are pretty high, over fears that the virus can negatively impact the baby or fears of even contracting the virus themselves? Man, um, that's such a great question. And it, it pains me because the what is supposed to be a an incredible moment in um, a woman's reproductive life has become this an, another ball of stress, right? So you have patients now have to rethink the way that they enter clinics for prenatal visits, let alone. For instance, um, when we're doing ultrasound scans where mom used to have her partner and, um, and or another family member there, when, they get to when we get to see what they're having, that big gender reveal that either happens in the clinic or us putting it in an envelope and then doing a gender reveal at home, it's now reduced to the mom laying down and having to FaceTime their partner who's waiting in a car in the parking lot or somewhere else remote and having to kind of adjust their phone camera so that they can look at a monitor that has some crappy pixels to kind of, uh, I guess, feel the moment being that happiness that used to be there, not to say it used to be as if it's not there, but it's different, um, let alone the, the concern that some um, patients have, real concern of going into the hospital and being at risk of catching COVID. I remember um, several patients having to reschedule their appointments or not coming to the hospital to the 99th hour that they thought that they were in labor because God forbid that they were exposed to COVID and then that would really change their their home structure because they didn't want to put their other family members at risk. Um, so it's it's been a hard time, um, and it it's um it's just it's, it's just been different for moms, and I really feel for um, the challenge that comes with trying to preserve that that happiness, to preserve that beauty of something that's still beautiful. Um, but the fact that you're also battling um, other emotions as far as like fear and, and just wanting to share that moment with others, I think it, it's just different this time. Not surprisingly, it seems like COVID has put a real strain on family planning and the pregnancy process in general. If a woman tests positive for COVID, what impact does that have on the baby, if any? And are there differences in the transmission of the virus uh, to the baby if that occurs, um, if she has symptoms versus if she doesn't have symptoms? Um, so as far as the big thing that moms have been concerned about and the big thing that we as obstetricians have been um, investigating is whether or not there's any risk of, of vertical transmission. This is a term that 
if mom is infected with any pathogen or any entity that could cause an infection, that that um, infection can get passed on to the baby. Um, and while there have been very few case studies, the, the overall conclusion is that the baby isn't at risk of what we call vertical transmission of COVID if mom has COVID or is infected by COVID. Um, while there's still more work to be done in that particular area as far as um, understanding some of the nuances from a basic science standpoint, um, the grand scheme at least now is that's not something that we're concerned about, um, but something that we do want to continue to investigate as I'm sure that um, as the pandemic continues and as we have more data and more information that there might be um, another approach or another way to think about it. But as of now, um, that's not something that we're seeing a lot of. I've been contacted by pregnant friends and family members and their partners about whether or not they should take the vaccine while they're pregnant. And they oftentimes cite concerns about the vaccine and how that may negatively impact the baby. My answer is always the same. The safety of the vaccine comes in the technology that is used. The COVID-19 vaccine candidates that have been approved, the two being the Pfizer and Moderna candidates, are mRNA vaccines, which are incredibly unstable outside of a narrow temperature range. So what does that mean? That means that soon after the vaccine gets into our bodies and does what it's supposed to do, it disintegrates. It just magically goes away. We call that process denaturing. So the likelihood of the vaccine negatively impacting the mother or the baby is incredibly low. The one caveat that I would be remiss not to share is that the research reports excluded mothers and children, as is the case in any first-time study, because those two uh, population groups are considered to be vulnerable populations. And you never want to test something, at least for the first time, in uh, a group of people that may potentially get sick. With that being said, when you look at over 70,000 people over two studies, it's inevitable that some people will get pregnant, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and those study participants were all fine, uh, no complications whatsoever. Um, I think the CDC is currently conducting studies uh, to look into the vaccine efficacy in vulnerable populations like pregnant women. In fact, I think the arm of this study is looking at 3,000 women, um, and so far, uh, so good. Uh, but you're the expert, Dr. Lambert, so uh, let us know. What are your thoughts on pregnant women taking the vaccine? Also, a, a common question I've been hearing, and you're right, unfortunately, pregnant women are a population that are historically misrepresented when it comes to large uh, randomized control trials like um, the uh, Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine for obvious reasons that you already mentioned. Um, I think that, again, we, we go back to um, historical trends. And when it comes to counseling moms about the COVID-19 vaccine, our approach is, number one, there are different types of vaccines that are out there. Um, we have inactivated vaccines, we have live attenuated vaccines, we have um, RNA vaccines, to name a few. The one that is the most concerning for us as obstetricians are those vaccines that are considered live attenuated vaccines, um, such as your measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines. Those are vaccines that we wouldn't recommend mom getting because again, mom is being exposed to a virus that's live, but it's weakened in order to allow your immune system to mount a response, then subsequently passively transfer antibodies to the baby. But there still is a risk that the baby could be exposed to the virus and end up getting an infection, which is why we tend to have moms avoid getting those types of vaccines until either before they even get pregnant or after they deliver. 
Then you have the inactivated vaccines or the RNA vaccines, inactivated vaccines like the influenza vaccine and the um, COVID vaccine, which again, they are not live attenuated vaccines. So we're not concerned that the mom is going to be exposed to some type of live virus that could potentially infect her baby. And so that's why those are the types of vaccines that we say it's safer for mom to get, knowing that mom is only seeing a piece of a virus that's responsible for mounting that same immune response that you would get the live attenuated viruses, but you're not seeing a viral particle per se or an active virus. You're just seeing a piece of a virus that's important for you to kind of build immunity. So in those particular cases, we haven't seen or pregnancy outcomes with those types of vaccines, which is why we can kind of deduce that it's relatively safe for mom to consider getting the RNA vaccine, aka the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine, knowing what we know in other types of vaccines that aren't the more concerning, like the live attenuated. That being said, it's completely um, left to the discretion of the mom. Having this information, being able to mull it over, and then deciding that, okay, maybe it's something that I should get. But by no means are we excluding moms in terms of entertaining the idea of getting the COVID-19 vaccine. With this information, because again, informed consent is everything, and we always pride ourselves with patient autonomy. Use the information that you have, um, ask your doctor the questions, challenge your doctor about some of the side effects, and, and any concerns that you have, make sure that you have your list of questions ready, prepared. But all in all, given that, it should still be relatively safe for you to receive the uh, COVID-19 vaccine, should you make that decision after a discussion with your provider. Thank you for that pertinent information. We certainly needed clarification on that. But Dr. Lambert, we're going to have people who are going to tune in and they're going to say that everything you're saying simply isn't true, not with respect to the vaccine, but with respect to the baby boom. They're going to cite their Instagram. They're going to say that their Instagram is on fire and that every day they're seeing a new pregnancy post. Even I was secretly hoping that you would say that the data is wrong and that we're in the midst of a baby boom because I do see uh, what it what it seems to be uh, a recurring trend, right, of more and more people um, at least sharing, uh, whether it's through a gender reveal or through uh, a pregnancy post or a live photo shoot. It does seem like there is more sharing um, of pregnancies as it occurs. So my question to you is this. Is it possible that there may be a lag in the data and that, uh, we may find out later that we're actually in the midst of a baby boom. That's a good question. I, I think it's going to depend upon what we see as the uh, federal government begins to engineer a more robust um, vaccine deployment um, plan in terms of achieving herd immunity and what that might mean as far as um, folks beginning to not be overly concerned about their, their safety or the risk of succumbing to uh, severe COVID. Um, and so it's a, it's a possibility, but again, I think that A, number one, I want to use this as an opportunity to kind of encourage folks to not live or die by their news feed on Instagram or Facebook, because again, you have a, a selection bias, right? People decide to share what they want to share. You're not getting the full spectrum of information, you're seeing highlights. But there's a whole other story that if you kind of look from a larger perspective, you can begin to see some of these trends. And if you kind of incorporate what's happening as far as from a social perspective, from an economical perspective, 
you can begin to understand why there might be this slow trend or slow decrease as far as births in the upcoming years. That it could turn the tide as things improve with respect to the pandemic. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, um, but I think that as far as what we're seeing um, at the moment right now, at the height of the, the pandemic, I think that that's something that could potentially result in fewer births. Um, not saying that there won't be a rebound after this, uh, but for now, um, that's what it's looking like. So basically, you're telling us that we're in the midst of a baby bust and not a baby boom. Is that right? Your words, not mine. <laughs> Shoot. Well, thank you, Dr. Lambert. We certainly appreciate your presence and uh, your knowledge and your wise words. Thank you for joining us as always. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Stay safe, wear a mask, and if it's possible, get vaccinated. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.